Welcome back to the future. This is Dating Ourselves, the podcast that talks everything 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. I'm your host, Adam, and I'm joined by my co-host, Paul. Brian has the night off, and this is actually going to be an extra special episode that we are recording. Paul and I are going to recount our story of him flying down to Texas to move me for my permanent move back to Michigan. So I am actually coming live to you from Grand Rapids, Michigan for the first time on this show. So it's cool to be back and I'm looking forward to uh, being able to be back in the town, but also to be able to record from here. Makes it so much nicer when I'm this close. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we definitely missed you. Yeah, it's good to be back. It's, you know, nice to not be in an area where you can drown just by walking outside and, you know, (laughs) suffocating on the air. So that's nice. (laughs) Fair enough. Well, as you mentioned, I flew down to Texas and I had almost forgotten that I had flown down to Texas because it seems so long ago at this point, even though it was only like four or five days ago. Right. <laughs> I decided I was going to test airport security for fun since I had a one-way ticket and I really wasn't in a hurry to go anywhere. I packed a single backpack and I had two laptops, more batteries than anyone should ever carry. Uh, two cell phones, a CB radio, and there was something else. I forget. Oh, I had like 25 feet of HDMI cable. <laughs> and I was wearing, you know, shorts that I should not have been wearing. They were way too short. And I was like, I'm going to see what happens here if I want to get on this plane with no luggage, a one-way ticket, and all of this stuff. <laughs> and did anything happen? Did you get... Uh you know randomly selected or anything not a damn thing and it almost pissed me (laughs) off a little bit whenever i'm in a hurry to be somewhere i seems like i get pulled out of line and given the nth degree about my blood pressure medication (laughs) but you bring all this suspicious stuff on an airplane and they're like "Eh, seems reasonable enough yeah (laughs) this overweight gentleman in the wrestling t-shirt and shorts definitely looks like a business traveler let's let him through (laughs) The CB radio is pretty standard uh, flight gear nowadays, right? Everyone carries those? It was disassembled, too. I mean, it was a handheld, but the (laughs) antenna and everything was, like, all broken down. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. Wait, we might want to send this into the TSA and have them take a look at their security. (laughs) You know, I'm good after the fact. I made it through. It was, it's all good, but... Yeah, I'm, I'm severely disappointed that I didn't get to have any fun at the airport. <laughs> well, you know, that's, it's a fine line because it gets, it gets fun until there's a glove and a, you know, a couple fingers involved. <laughs> <laughs> You're about a quart low. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. So, yeah, so uh, Paul flew down. He was uh, kind enough to help me move back to Michigan But before we did that, we decided to spend a couple days just hanging out and going around town and stuff like that. So we spent a day at NASA, got to see the old mission control, you know, the Apollo mission control room. They still had all the original stuff there. They did have a couple of rows of the instrumentation in there pulled out because they're refurbishing it. Apparently, they're coming up next year on the 50th anniversary of the Apollo, uh, the moon landing, I believe, or was it? yeah, yes, yeah, moon landing is fifty years ago next year. 
So uh, they are refurbishing the machinery in the control room right now to uh, you know, be able to then present on the 50th anniversary in a big ceremony. Uh, so that was pretty cool. And then we actually got to go into... Uh, building 9, which is the space vehicle mock-up facility. That's where, when I was down there, I was helping out with the robotics program. Uh, that's why I wasn't able to be on uh, one of the episodes, is because I was out of town for that. But uh, that building is where I did a lot of the stuff helping out. But we got to see the whole thing, which was really cool, because the parts of the building that I didn't get to go into when I was there had, like, a mock-up of the International Space Station that the astronauts get to practice on and stuff like that. Uh, so that was pretty cool. What, was there any other things that you thought were uh, pretty cool on there, Paul? So the one thing that um, you kind of skipped over when you were talking about mission control is how much it looked like the Bat Cave from the 1966 <laughs> Batman. <laughs> it really did. It even had the red phone like <laughs> to call the president or Batman, you know, whichever you prefer. And I went back and Google image search uh, Bat Cave, and sure enough, the council looks almost identical. <laughs> but what's funny about that is uh, 66 would have been, what, three years before the moon landing? Yeah. Yep. So it's kind of impressive that, you know, they did a, you know, they did a, you know, it was a terminal services council that, you know, connected to a computer in another room. But regardless, Batman did a really good job of actually making it look realistic for the time period, mm -hmm. which I never expected to be true. <laughs> yeah, Adam West knew what he was doing, apparently. <laughs> same bat time, same, same bad bat channel. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that was uh, really cool uh, to be able to see the old Mission Control building, uh, see all of Building 9. That was pretty neat. Um, we got to go to Rocket Park, which has uh, the original Apollo rocket uh, in there, the entire rocket. It's like probably two or three football fields long. Uh, what else did we see? We, oh, uh, they, they have like a museum thing that we walked around. They had some really cool stuff in the museum. Uh, they had a couple, like, we went on a, oh, we, we, the space, the simulator. Yeah, we, we went on the space simulator and mind you, this thing is supposed to be like educational. It's like you're, uh, you know, in the ride, you're on this rocket or this ship and you're going into outer space and all you're doing is literally just looking at like, oh, this is what an asteroid belt looks like. This is what a planet looks like. There was me paul another lady who is probably a little older than us and then four children and they were screaming the entire time like you know it's five <laughs> minutes or something like that. they literally did not stop screaming the entire time on an educational ride I walked out of there with a migraine, needed to go home and take some aspirin after that. I just sloughed it off because that's what a road trip is like with my kids. <laughs> I wish I could have heard the narrator for the movie a little better, but like it, it, I probably didn't even realize the kids were screaming until you looked over at me like, what the hell? <laughs> and then I was like, oh, yeah, I guess this could be annoying to the uninitiated. Yeah, to <laughs> someone who doesn't have kids and doesn't hear people screaming you know 90 percent of the time <laughs> well anytime you want to borrow a pair i'd be more than happy to lend them <laughs> sounds good sounds good they come as a pair <laughs> oh they do <laughs> so but it's buy one get one yes <laughs> 
Oh, goodness. So, yeah, so we got to go to NASA, and then we went to see uh, Solo at a, a place down there where it's it's called uh, Star Cinema Grill, and you get to go, and you watch a movie. They have these, like, nice uh, so like leather sofa seats, and you get to buy, like, full menu items, like burgers or fries or, uh, you know, a Cuban sandwich or a blue cheeseburger. So it was pretty cool. They have, they have a lot of neat stuff there. So we, we went and saw Solo there just to get that experience yeah. for Paul. That was pretty cool. It, yeah, it was really cool. It was something I always wanted to do. And like you said, it's it's two conjoined chairs with a shared table between them. And then there's a button on the table you push and someone comes and takes a paper slip with your order. And they have like the little golf pencils and a menu. So you just write down what you want. Mm-hmm. But I have a question for you because the one thing that I never had answered for me when we were there. Yeah. So let's say a movie sells out. Those tables are like together in pairs so you have to share a table with the person next to you yes that's correct so if if it sells out does that mean you're sharing a table with a complete stranger or yep. will they leave a seat open yep nope they'll, they'll put you with a complete stranger i've had that happen on multiple occasions is it if you is it ever been like awkward where you're like seated next to job of the hut that chews with their mouth <laughs> open for the entire movie i've never had that i just have like I'm socially awkward around people that I don't know, so I just, like, kind of, like, inch away as far as possible to the other side, or, well, I guess if I'm, you know, it's a sold-out show, I guess you're kind of stuck in between people, so I just, like, kind of shrivel up into my little ball as close as I can to, like, (laughs) you know, not be able to uh, have to talk to anybody or see anybody or anything like that. (laughs) We're here to watch a movie, damn it. If I wanted small talk, I'd go to a bar. Yeah, exactly. Don't talk to me. Although, to be fair, that place also is a bar. They have a full-service bar out in the lobby, so you can order, you know, everything from beers to margaritas to daiquiris and stuff like that. So it's, it's pretty interesting. If you ever get a chance to go to a place like that, definitely check it out. It's a little expensive, but it's worth it for the experience at least. I don't think it was that terribly expensive. I mean, if you were to go to dinner and then to a movie, I would say that I paid a comparable price for that. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So if you ever want to go on a date, if you ever got a date and you have the opportunity to go to one of those, you do dinner and a movie at the exact same place. You can be, like, cheap out a little bit. (laughs) And then, you know, you barely have to talk to each other so they won't realize you're a slough until the next date. Yeah, you can you can kind of uh, fake your way through the first date. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So that brings us then to uh, the actual trip itself, uh, which was quite entertaining. We, you know, it was a it's about a twenty uh, get on an at like in an average car like driving about seventy seventy five the whole way. You can do that trip at about seventy. Uh, whoa, not seventy in about twenty hours, give or take. Uh, depending on how many yeah. times you have to stop, we were in a big sixteen-foot uh, box truck, though. So we were with going, a trailer, with a trailer, with a car on the trailer. So we had to go a little bit slower. So it was a little bit of a longer drive. I think it was about twenty-two hours, maybe. Yeah, maybe high tw- twenty-one, twenty-two hours, something like that. Uh, but there were some interesting things that happened along the <laughs> way that we'll talk about. So the first one was you know we we packed up and 
I had some movers come and move everything out of my apartment and stuff like that. It was great. They were done in like less than an hour or something like that. But then uh, Paul and I were left without any sort of you know bed or couch or anything furniture yeah so what did we do paul we camped in the living room yeah we did (laughs) well we removed the one most important item from the truck and that was the television yep (laughs) and we set the television on the floor by the fireplace nice and cozy Mm -hmm. we were too lazy to unpack the air mattress (laughs) yep so we literally camped in the living room (laughs) yeah yep we just sat like we got home kind of late uh that was that was the night yeah we went to dinner that night and then we got back and had a few other little things to do and so after we got back you know we i didn't sit down till probably like 9 30 10 o'clock or something like that and then it was like okay well what do we do now so we threw on a movie and uh, watch that and I almost fell asleep during the movie like three or four times <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I was out within five minutes of the movie being over <laughs> oh for sure I was too yeah yeah that was a long couple days uh, leading up to the trip so uh yeah so that was our first adventure was the the uh the camp out and then the next morning, we get up. We had the grand plan of we're going to get up at 5 a.m. <laughs> and we're going to throw the last couple things in the truck. And then we're going to be on the road before Houston rush hour. And we're just going to blow through all the traffic. And, you know, east down and bound, we're on this. Yep, yep. We, you know, get up at 5 o'clock, be on the road by 6, be home, you know, the next day or whatever. Oh, boy, were we wrong on that one. <laughs> so... So even before like the the issue we ran into, it took us probably a good hour to actually uh, load up the rest of the stuff because my tr- the truck had to be parked a pretty good distance away from my uh, actual apartment because there's no space to park a you know 16 foot box truck near my apartment. So we had to... Well, you could have gotten it there, but we wouldn't have been able to turn it around. Yeah. There was no good space to loop it around and then come back out. Yeah, my my apartment was basically the last building on this like a- side access road in the uh, area. And the only way that you could get out of there was to go back the way you came. There was no exit on our side. There was a gate, but for whatever reason, the gate didn't open over there. Uh, you know, there's it, it's permanently locked and stuff. So, so we had to load up my little four door sedan and br- you know drive all the stuff down there. Uh, and it already had other stuff that was intended to be in there. And then we had to load up the stuff that was going to be in the truck and all that. So that put us behind a little bit already. And then came the real fun. We had to load up the car. Yeah. So, like I said before, we had a uh, car tow on the back that brought you know had my car basically sitting on this uh flatbed uh, area and we could tie it down and stuff like that well we're doing this at you know 6 six thirty in the morning something like that so we we're a little tired stuff like that and the so the way you secure the car on this thing you have these chains on the bottom of it that go under your car like they wrap around one of the struts of your car to secure it there and then you have these ratchet straps that go around your tires there are these yellow straps that go around the 
whole... It's almost like... A, I, I, the best way I can describe it is it's almost like a laundry bag. Yeah. You loop it... You pull it around the tire, and it's like a mesh ratchet strap. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so what you're supposed to do is put the strap around the tire. It goes around, like, the top of the tire... And then you have a ratchet on the front of the trailer that you ratchet down to tighten it up and it holds your car into place. Well, what was the problem with that, Paul? The ratchet on the passenger side, whoever used the trailer before us, wrapped it, they threaded it from the wrong side and wrapped it backwards. <laughs> so the ratchet, like, you could get it super tight, but then it would pull loose because there was always slack because it was coming from over the top instead of underneath. You know, kind of like the toilet paper dispenser the wrong way. Yeah. And uh, and because of that, like, you could get slack, but you had to pull super hard on it because it wouldn't loosen properly. And then... It was knotted up because it was threaded wrong. Right, right. And so we get the, you know, we got as much slack on it as we could, and we finally get it around as best we could around the tire, and we ratchet that thing down because we're like, we got to get out on the road. So we get it finally ratcheted down, and we take off and we're we're you know gonna hit the open road and get out on the highway and you know make good time then about 30 seconds later we ran into our next big issue we couldn't get out of my apartment complex (laughs) so uh the back entrance to the apartment complex was the only way we could go based on how my how the 16 foot box truck was faced you you could only go the it only opened from one side there there was two sides to the gate but only one side opened the other was permanently locked and so i'm starting to go through and paul's sitting there and he's like i don't think we're gonna make this turn so he hops out and i'm like slowly pulling through and we get all the way you know the box truck part is completely out but now we can't get out because the trailer that has my car on it is now aimed right at the edge of the gate so (laughs) well it wasn't that bad you did a really good job swinging it out wide and you would have only hit the gate by a few inches but those few inches would have been the wheel well of the trailer which would have just demolished the gate right (laughs) right so we're sitting there and you know of course right as all of this is happening there's a lady that pulls up trying to get into the apartment complex thank god she was really sweet and said hey i have the you know the the maintenance, maintenance guys, guys number number i'll text them and see if i can get them out there so the, you know again this is like six well at this point really it was about seven o'clock in the morning and so we're sitting there and we can't leave because I can't get my truck through the through the gate. And people who have to go to work are starting to like pile up behind <laughs> us and I'm flagging them to the other entrance and they're scoffing at me and I'm just apologizing and it felt like it felt like forever. Realistically, it was probably only like 5 minutes. Yeah. It definitely felt a lot longer though when I kept having to flag people down and like after because paul went to see if he could find the the super or the maintenance guy and so i stayed behind with the truck and i'm now the one that has the responsibility of saying hey i'm the idiot who got stuck in the in the uh gate we'll be out of here soon 
<laughs> so I'm booking it for the maintenance office, and all of a sudden, like whipping around the corner, almost takes me out on the curb, is this guy <laughs> in a uh, golf cart. Like it, w- it wasn't a golf cart, it was a Kubota, like the kind that are used for, well, a lot of maintenance staff have them for like hauling mulch or just general like zooming around a complex. He comes booking it, and I just flag him down, arms up, and I was like, are you going to open that gate? And he goes, yeah. And he's all in a panic, super nice guy. He's like, he's like I got to get there and help him. I mean, I've, he's like, nobody's here before 7. They're stuck. I got to help him. And I'm like, well, give me a ride because I'm with him. And we hop in the car, and he takes off. And he's like, you guys are so lucky they called me because we wouldn't have been here before 7. In my head, I'm like, isn't it like 7.30 at this point? <laughs> I but, think it was. <laughs> He unlocks the gate, and then voila, we're out on the open road. Yeah, so, you know, the whole up by five, out by six thing really turned into up by five, out by about 7.30. <laughs> the, the best laid plans, right? <laughs> so we get out onto the open road, and we had some, we had some interesting things happen. Uh, along the road but uh, the first of which kind of goes back to what we were just talking about a little bit ago with the ratchet straps so we get the route we took uh, normally when i uh, was coming back to michigan i would take i-10 which goes through houston all the way through louisiana basically like over to florida but then i like once i got past baton rouge i would go straight north all the way to basically 20 miles south of chicago before I turned to go towards Michigan. Well, this time, uh, because it was going to be a little less traffic, there, you know, it's not as busy of roads, we decided to take a route that basically takes I-45, which goes north from Houston all the way to Dallas. But once we got up there, we cut over towards Arkansas and went through Texarkana and through the state of Arkansas to meet up with where we... Isn't normally- that a song? What's that? Texarkana? Uh, m- maybe the all, all I know is the <laughs> all all I know is eastbound and down from uh, Smokey and the Bandit, <laughs> but I'm sure there probably is a country song called Texarkana. But uh, anyway, so we we were headed that way, and the truck needed to be filled up for the first time, and so we pull off. You, you we're on this like small kind of two-lane highway thing going through kind of the rural area of east texas and we pull off at this gas station and you know we're gonna gas up and stuff but we're having problems finding a tank to get to to be able to do that just because of how long our our caravan was for this and so we decided yeah if you can't pull in at a straight shot you're if you can't pull in at a straight shot you're not getting there because there's no turning around the gas pump (laughs) right well it's either you have to be able to go in at a straight shot or there has to be an inordinate amount of space between where the gas tanks are and where the building is so you can make a wide turn out of there so we decide to pull over like next to the it was a truck stop so we parked over by the trucks just so we could get out like go to the restroom stuff like that and as we're hopping out i decided to go check on the ratchet straps to see how they were doing uh how were they doing paul they were completely off the car (laughs) both of them were completely off the the only thing that was holding it on was the safety chain (laughs) 
and thank God because I, uh, oh my God, like that would have been terrifying to see my car go flying off the back of the truck. <laughs> so, you know, the previous night we had been messing with the the ratchet straps. That morning we had. So finally we like take another like 30 or 40 minutes and we start uh, working on it. Finally, by some miracle, we actually got the ratchet strap that was messed up to loosen up enough that we were able to release then, yeah, uh, yeah release and so we were able to get it on correctly like all the way on correctly and then paul had the good mind to then ratchet strap well, hang ratchet. on a second how did we get it to release oh yeah we actually you actually laid on the ground yeah seriously <laughs> and used your whole body weight <laughs> to pull the release and then i stood on the trailer and i looked like arnold in one of those strongman competitions <laughs> lifting up the just pulling as hard as i can swearing like a sailor women and children are just staring <laughs> it was a, it was a bad scene all around yeah so, so and then all of a sudden it just gives way <laughs> so so what what we figured out was was that there was something wrong with the release and so what i had to do was basically lay on top of the release in order to get it to budge enough that the rest of the ratchet could come so i'm like basically doing a like inverted push-up on this thing trying to force it down <laughs> while paul's standing on top of it just pulling as hard as we could i'm sure we were quite the sight to see there oh yeah <laughs> Oh, so we finally got it strapped on. Paul came up with the brilliant idea of then ratchet strapping on the ratchet straps. And then we get out onto the road again. And actually, at that point, we start making really good time. Yeah. So what I did is I actually, we had another set of ratchet straps from the move. And after we got the uh, tire straps on that wrapped around the tire, and then we tightened those as much as we could, then I wrapped the tire with the other ratchet strap to make sure that that stayed on. And then ratcheted that around the trailer as well. If the car had gone flying, I don't think it would have done dick. <laughs> But at least it held, at least it held the straps in place and the car forward. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, so we get out on the open road and we're taking off and finally making pretty good time. And along the way, we see some uh, some interesting sights. What what were some of the things we came across, Paul? Uh, we saw a motorcycle at a laundromat when we stopped to fill up. <laughs> yes, we did. That was bizarre. And we there was only one car. There was only one other car, and there were, like, three people in there doing laundry. So in my head, I'm like, has <laughs> this guy got, like, the saddlebag from hell? Is he just going to put it all in a backpack and then, you know, take it all home wrinkled? I don't know why, but it really creeped me out. Like, why the hell do you take – I mean, don't get me wrong. I used to have a motorcycle. I love bikes. I got nothing against them. But, I mean, you take the vehicle, you need to do the job. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Seems a little difficult to lug your laundry bag around, unless he had like it all in a duffel or some. I don't know. Wish we could have stopped and talked to this guy and figured out the mystery. <laughs> I thought about it. I mean, we stopped there for gas. I, you know, I was. I thought I did walk through there because it was on the back side of the gas station. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, yeah. So we see laundry motorcycle guy. Uh, what were some of the other interesting things we came across? Um, we saw a. Fiat that was painted to look like the Little Tykes Cozy Coupe. Yes, exactly. So uh, we were driving down the highway. We we're somewhere in like either Arkansas or Missouri, and 
Paul is on the on his phone doing some work emails uh, while we're listening to a podcast. I you know I I got into the habit because of the ratchet strap issue. I got in the habit of looking in my mirror to make sure everything was okay behind me that the trailer wasn't messed up and stuff like that. And so I'm kind of glancing back you know looking back at the road and then all of a sudden i glance back and i said holy shit paul like freaks out because he's not paying attention so he thinks we're like careening off yeah because i'm like deep in <laughs> i'm deep in work email <laughs> and so i'm not paying attention to the road at all whereas previously like when we were changing lanes and stuff i would cl- look and go okay you're clear on my side etc and then all of a sudden out of nowhere he just yells really loud <laughs> and i jumped out of my seat like oh my god did we lose the car did a strap come loose and he goes no look at that and this little car zooms by us <laughs> it was a it was a little uh, fiat 500 abarth and it was painted red along the base of it and then it was painted yellow on the top and in the corners so it perfectly resembled the little tykes cozy coop that i'm sure most of our listeners had as kids or if not knew somebody who had those as kids uh you know the little flintstones car you'd sit there and push yourself around in it uh but it i i was dying when we saw that because it was like oh my god somebody actually bought a cozy coupe as a real car <laughs> although i was a little it even dis- had like a, i was just gonna say it even had like a little tykes logo on the window yes it did i don't know what it actually said but it was a little white sticker like in the right place to say little tykes <laughs> yeah it did i i'm almost positive it actually did say little tykes on there uh, it looked close enough if it wasn't. But I was going to say, the only thing I was disappointed on is I didn't see the driver's legs coming through the floorboards to push the car <laughs> along. I was a little disappointed about that. But other than that, it was pretty cool. I know if I had to ride in that car, I my feet would be pushed through the car. If it, Who would spend that kind of money on a car like that? Because they're not cheap. If I was looking at a car like that and I had to buy it, I would have to get one for each foot. <laughs> Yeah, those are quite tiny cars, and uh, yeah, like you said, I'm sure that, uh, you know, because that's a licensing thing right there, like uh, Little Tykes actually licensed, uh, or like allowed Abarth, uh, or Fiat Company, to rent or buy or whatever the actual license to be able to do that, so that couldn't have, you know, that couldn't have been cheap to get that car. So that person must have really liked their little Tykes car when they were younger. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, one of the other things that we saw on the trip was this thing called the Wilco Marsh Runner. And basically the only way I can describe this thing is it looked like a cab that would be on like a... Uh, you know a european truck or something like that just kind of a small like almost it looked like a uh, small semi truck cab but then it was sitting on top of a triangular tank tread uh, like legitimately a tank tread it just big gigantic treads on this thing and supposedly it looked like something you would run over other cars with at a fair yes absolutely absolutely uh, and I still am not sure what it is used for. I found a video of it online, and the a guy was basically just driving around in kind of a marshy area. And then it had this big, uh, 
I, I don't even know what it was. They didn't show it up very close, but basically it looked like a uh, piece of metal that was on like a little cr arm, uh, like a little uh, crane arm, and you could drop it down, and it was probably, the base of it was probably about maybe three feet by three feet or four feet by four feet, something like that. And it looks like it drags on the ground behind the marsh runner, but I'm not really entirely sure what it was used for or, you know, even what the actual marsh runner was used for. But it was really interesting. So if anybody out there knows what those things are used for, hit us up on uh, Facebook on Dating Ourselves and let us know what that thing's used for because I was pretty intrigued by that thing. Or if you know where I can drive one, please let me know. <laughs> yes. Ooh, fun idea. Demolition <laughs> Derby. Marsh Runner Demolition Derby. <laughs> I think that that would equal death because whoever gets on top, the bottom one is just getting crushed. That's true. <laughs> That's a good point. Maybe if, you know, you were, like, seeing how fast you could drive over cars. Yeah, let's do that. We'll, we'll do, like, the kind of like the bus jump, but, you know, just how many cars can you run over on this thing? <laughs> yeah, instead of how many can you avoid, how many can you crush? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that was all part of our first day. Believe it or not, all of that happened on our first day of our trip. So we stop off at a small college town in Illinois for the night, and we uh, go and crash for the night. And we wake up the next day and mean You skipped Missouri. Oh, you're right. That was the same night. Okay, yeah, I forgot about that. So we, we, you know, we're in Arkansas for a pretty long amount of time. Because uh, usually when I go that when I go the other route, you're only in Arkansas for you know an hour at most. Here we were there for several hours as we we're crossing the state at kind of a diagonal, and so we you know both me and Paul are pretty anxious to get out of Arkansas. Not that it's bad or anything. It's just you you don't feel like you're going anywhere when you're driving that long through a single state. So we were we were ready to see the next state. Oh, one more thing. Yeah. So Arkadelphia. Oh, yes, yes, there yes. There is a city in Arkansas called Arkadelphia. <laughs> How in the world did I not know this was a thing? I do not know, but I I legitimately was like in tears when I saw that name, Arkadelphia. I've never heard of it. And the only thing I can think of, like, the only, the only thing I can think of is, here's my theory, is Joe Frazier got pissed that Philadelphia built a Rocky statue instead of a statue to him, an actual accomplished boxer. <laughs> and he just packed up his stuff and moved to uh, Arkansas. And they're like, hey, we'll take you. Come, come live here. In fact, here, Arkadelphia. There you go. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, it's a fairly small town. The population looks like it's only about uh, just shy of 11,000. 3,000. Was it really? Yeah. As I thought I read 3,000 on the sign. Oh, may, may, maybe something happened. That was as of the 2010 census, so maybe something happened in Arkadelphia since then. So, You know, I might be thinking of Waterloo. Could be. Because that was another one we drove past was Waterloo. Yep, yep. So, uh, that, yeah, so that was in, you know, that, I think that's just outside of, uh, Little Rock. So that was fairly close to the end of our run through that area. But so going back to what we, we had been talking about, you know, we're, we're desperate to see 
the next state. And so we're like, okay, the Missouri state line is coming up pretty quick. And so we're driving through and we start to smell smoke and, you know, wood smoke. So, you know, we weren't worried that like the car was on fire or anything like that. But, you know, we had seen... I was. <laughs> I wasn't. I, I could tell it was wood. But so, you know, we're, we're driving and we had seen a pretty big fire at one point earlier in the day. So we didn't really think anything of it. So we're getting to the Missouri border, and Paul's on his phone doing something else again, probably checking work email or whatever. And I, I turned, I turned to him, and I was like, "Paul, look!" And he looks up. The state of Missouri was on fire at the border. I'm talking. There's probably a several mile long fire right at the border of missouri in arkansas and i started to google it i could find no news on it no mention but everywhere we looked was fire (laughs) i'm assuming because it was all on the it was it was insane yeah it was all on one side and it looked like it was in a fairly straight line so the only thing i could think of is maybe a farmer was doing a controlled burn of the land or something like that but it was very bizarre to be greeted into a new state by hell's inferno (laughs) (laughs) so it was kind of cool at night though yeah because it was right about it was right about dusk so this was happening it wasn't dark yet but it was kind of that like darkish blue that it gets when the sun's already down but the you know it's still catching up it's still you know that light's still coming down so you know it was it was dark at this point but not pitch black it was it was uh, kind of that bluish look to, you know bluish hue that it gets right after the sun goes down so it actually was pretty cool because it's kind of dark and then you just have this really bright fire that's burning there so so we end the day uh you know we drive into illinois and stop off at a hotel we pass out for the night and the next morning we wake up and it's like, well, let's go to get some breakfast before we head out on the road. So there's a Cracker Barrel within walking distance of the hotel. So we get up and we get moving around, take a shower, stuff like that. And then Paul is finishing up, uh, like packing up some stuff in the the hotel room. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go out and check on the car, make sure everything looks good before we get loaded like make sure the tire straps still look secure make sure everything looked copacetic there now the night before they had told us you know just find a because we had such a large area that we were taking up it was probably about 32 feet or so they told us just you know find yeah. a, a string of parking spots that you can pull straight into and just park a diagonal you know uh, perpendicular across them that's fine like there's not that many people signed up to be there so I pull up uh, near, like on the building side of the parking lot, and I pull up so that I know, like, there's only two spaces in front of us, so that nobody else will park there, and we have an easy way to get out there. Well, I'm sure you can see where this is going because what was there the next morning, Paul? A big red truck, <laughs> whole empty parking lot, plenty of places to park, and they park like eight inches in front of our truck. <laughs> And then someone parks one space back behind the trailer. So we're completely blocked in. There is no way that we're getting out of this space. And this is literally the whole reason I had picked that spot in particular. Because I knew, like, when we pulled in, I knew that car was behind us. 
So I knew that we weren't going to be able to get out that way. So I knew that the only way we would be able to easily get out, uh, because all the other areas, there wasn't a big enough spot for us to pull in. So I knew, okay, I need to pull up as close as I can so that nobody else is tempted to park there. And that way I can just turn the wheel to the right. It'll pull us around the curb and we'll be good to go. And this idiot parks right in front of us like literally two spaces away to the point where i couldn't get out it was mind-blowing so they and it wasn't like this was a full parking lot no like it wasn't like we were taking up like you know we were taking up a majority of spaces or making it difficult for anyone and this space was the furthest one from the door yep yep (laughs) like (laughs) <laughs> I don't understand. Well, like, I'm just going to park here in the furthest part of the parking lot and then walk all the way back to the building. <laughs> and to be fair, uh, part I, I'm sure part of that was caused by... There was plenty of open spots. I can guarantee you there was probably five or six uh, par- uh, open spots on the other side uh, just right behind us. But do you remember, Paul, what was taking up quite a few uh, spaces on the other side of the parking lot from us? There was another truck and trailer, and they had swan paddle boats (laughs) on the back of the trailer in a place where there was seemingly no water. Yeah, we're, we're, you know, at least 40 miles away from the Mississippi River at this point. There seemed to be no lakes or anything, and there are two big smiling swan paddle boats in the parking lot right across from us paul paul saw that when we were going in he goes are those swans like what are you talking about oh there actually is swans there oh man so that was entertaining that that was an interesting way to start out the day it was like you know after the day we had yesterday of course today would start out that way oh man so Thankfully, the rest of the ride was fairly uneventful. I can't think of any other major things that happened the next day. Nope, we went to Cracker Barrel, which I have a question about Cracker Barrel yeah. because I don't go there often. But is this is it a southern thing that every single menu item comes with grits, or is it just in the south? Like, is that normal? That like, I, I mean, you could order applesauce and it would come with a side of grits. Yeah, I honestly do not know because I've never noticed that before. Every time I've ever gone there, I've seen grits as an option, but I've never seen it as a requisite menu item for every... Like, it didn't matter. You could get, like, a fruit bowl, and it'd be like, fruit bowl with grits. You know, I got, like, eggs... Served with a side of grits. Yeah, Uh, and then it was like, you know, I got a uh, plate of eggs and bacon and uh, hash browns and stuff like that, and it's like, you know, do you want... It's like, eggs with grits. It's like... What, what is up with all these grits? Who eats all of this? So I'm not sure. I, I will have to look into that because I've never seen, like, the Cracker Barrel that's just down the road from our house. I don't think I've ever seen grits as, like, a permanent menu item there. Well, we should go there on Saturday and verify that. I like it. We'll, we'll go do some reconnaissance. Oh, man. So then, yeah, we you know, it took us about seven hours or so, maybe eight hours to get back after that. Um, and, and we got out of the road. There was no real issues that next day. Thankfully, all the uh, entertainment of the first day definitely was a little, getting a little old. So it was nice to have a more uneventful day the second day. But we made it back in pretty good time, considering we could only go about 60, 65 yeah. with that big truck. 
And uh, the next day we got unpacked, and I've been unloading and organizing crap for the last three or four days since I got back. (laughs) Well, I think that wraps up our uh, epic road story. Welcome back to Michigan, Adam. Thank you very much. Glad to be back. And uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us on Dating Ourselves. And if you like what you heard, as always, there's more to come. You can check us out at www.datingourselvespodcast to learn more about us and the show. And check out our Contact Us tab if you'd like to submit your own nostalgic topics for us to discuss. You can also send us submissions at datingourselvespodcast at aol.com. We've got mail. In addition to iTunes, you can also find us on TuneIn Radio, Google Music, and wherever podcasts are downloaded. And we also post additional content on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash datingourselvespodcast. If you're on Instagram, you can find us at Dating Ourselves Podcast. We also do the Twitter thing at Dated Podcast. And we will be returning next week with a regularly scheduled episode. And remember, if you're too old for Snapchat and too young for Life Alert, you've just been dating. See you guys. Later, guys. <laughs>